0: This was absolutely something that we've always been fascinated with, the different personas within the workplace and and how their needs and requirements um, differ and how the space can respond directly to those needs. But one thing that we have been bringing to this discovery process is it's not just about where you are, it's also about the type of work that you are conducting. You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space.
1: Are you ready? Hello, and welcome to the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. I'm Jo Mernier, and today I have the privilege of speaking with Kelly McEachin, who is the senior interior designer in the Perkins and Wollaston Austin studio, and a regional resource for the firm focused on workplace strategies. First, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our podcast sponsor, Office R&D, who helps make these episodes possible. Office R&D is a leading management platform that can help flexible space operators free up valuable time by automating admin tasks and helping them make data-driven decisions so they can spend more time focusing on growing their brand and engaging with their community. So if you're a Flex space operator, head over to Office RD to book a demo with the team and try it out for yourself. Design impacts all of us, whether you use the office once a month or every day, we all interact with these spaces in some form or other. And the best spaces are the ones that quite simply give us what we need to get our jobs done. Kelly's work is focused on enhancing the pre-design discovery phase of each project to align the client's unique business strategies and goals with the planning and design. Creating beautiful interiors just isn't enough. A workspace must reinforce an organization's culture and values with human-centered solutions to connect the users and their specific work functions. So if you're wondering how that all works in practice and also how it connects to the future of work, you're about to find out. So welcome, Kelly, and thank you for joining us on the podcast today.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Okay, right, we'll dive straight in. First of all, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into your workplace design focus. Um, and as we we know that design is much more than just a pretty space, but for those of us who, who don't see what goes on behind the scenes and in the early stages of the design process, can you tell us a little bit about your focus on the, the pre-design discovery phase and what that means?
0: Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, I am an interior designer, Um, by practice and um, by education. Uh, But at Perkins and Will, we've also got um, a very in-depth research group, workplace strategy team um, that helps kind of bring all the pieces and parts together for, again, that, uh, of course, beautifully designed space, but one that that functions and is um, a direct response to the individual organization and their team members and their specific workplace needs. So our process really dives deep into discovery, understanding uh, not only the organization, uh, but the type of work that is conducted and um, what these team members really need day in and day out to um, perform their best.
1: Mm -hmm. So you must spend quite a lot of time with the teams beforehand, just finding out exactly what they need and how they work before you can then present solutions to them.
0: Yes, absolutely. We've got a series of um, tools and um, interaction uh, opportunities for uh, different team members at different levels, mm-hmm. um, including a change management process that really helps us bring all of the individual user types along in the decision process um, and the what to expect and, and how are we doing along the way and where mm-hmm. do we need to make some modifications or adjustments.
1: Yeah. Okay. And. You mentioned before that a lot of your work is about um, human-centered solutions. Um, And to me, that feels like you really start with the people, you figure out what they do and what they need from their environment. And then you sort of build the space around them almost from the inside out. Is is that it in a nutshell?
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, pretty much. We've uh, been working quite a bit with understanding different user type categories, um, what that means to the space that needs to be provided, um, and really catering those uh, descriptions and uh, results to exactly the specific team, the products or process that they uh, work through, um, as well as you know how we reinforce the larger overall goals and, and vision for the organization.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how much does data play a role in that? Um, I know that my colleague, Frank Cottle, would would always ask that question because his his mantra is get the data because it's it's the data that tells us how the space is being used, how we interact with it, and that informs all the future planning and des- design decisions. So um, how does data, how do you use it in your work and how does it drive the planning and design of a space?
0: Yes, absolutely. Data-driven results is really how we will uh, come to a solution that helps us uh, kind of take some of the guesswork out of the process and the recommendations. Um, also, some of the the fear uh, and uh, the change process and all of that, the data is um, what really gives us that path moving forward. So what's interesting is uh, we have a lot of different data sources, benchmarking, um, kind of the latest and greatest that, uh, our clients are, are doing and, and what we're helping, uh, you know, internationally and, 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 um, nationwide, what we are, are doing for different client types, mm-hmm. um, as well as surveying our end users and all of their team members, um, and also workshopping and, um, really coming up with some ways that we can discuss, um, you know, not not just throwing questions out and getting the the responses back, but really work through some topics together. And then I think the important part is taking all of those things um, and cross-referencing, comparing, seeing if we got different results from a survey versus a workshop. And often we do when you have the opportunity to discuss um, rather than just answer questions, uh, you you might see that the 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 data really leads you um, in new and different directions, and um, we love that process to really understand how it unfolds.
1: Yeah, so you could start with one idea and end up with something completely different based on all the different uh, workshopping. That was the term you used. What, what does that actually mean? What is that?
0: So we can either uh, we often do uh, leadership workshops, which is where we get together. And really almost work out all of the topics discussions we discover some things that maybe the organization didn't even know they wanted to do um, and you know highlight ways we can really make improvements what should change what should stay the same Mm -hmm. uh, what culturally needs to be the focus and how we can really engage team members in the process Um, and then we can even break that down further either have departmental workshops, each team and how they work differently, really let them discuss together, brainstorm together. Um, this These sessions, it's really important not to come in with uh, predetermined solutions or ideas, but just let these individuals discuss and come up with the ideas that um, are really most revel- uh, relevant mm-hmm. to them and their work. Um, so we've even had some opportunities to workshop with every last team member in the organization. So that meant breaking it down to several different sessions. Um, and, you know, especially in the change management process, hear from everyone. What are the concerns? What do mm. we need to address? Um, and how can we best include everybody in that?
1: Effort? Yeah, that sounds like it's quite a long process. Is it can run- be. Roughly, how long does it take? Uh,
0: it depends on the size of the organization, but yeah. um, I think it is very important. Your typical design process, um, these discussions, this discovery um, change management process, really needs to start long before your first programming um, and design sessions. Uh, this is really important to to not not rush the the discovery portion, yeah. uh, to make sure you have the, the most um, relevant and uh, the opportunities to really achieve what you need to achieve.
1: Yeah. And how has that changed since COVID came along? I imagine before you were able to get together with lots of people in a space and talk to them face to face. Are things quite different now?
0: Very much so. Um, yeah. But, you know, we've learned how we can have some of these sessions virtually. I still prefer to be in person, of course. I think that's where you get people, you know, some of the quiet individuals who who aren't um, as participatory. But um, virtually, we've, we've got some tools now that we're using to make sure uh, that we hear all the different voices, even if we can't be in the room at the yeah. same time.
1: Um, And moving on to an article that you did recently with my colleague, Kate Tattersfield, and and you talked about personas. um, And that was a really fascinating insights. Um, Can you tell us more about why it's so important to design for different personality types um, and how you go about doing this?
0: Sure, this was absolutely something that we've always been fascinated with the different personas within the workplace. And, and how their needs and requirements um, differ and how the space can respond directly to those needs. But in this day and age of how should we work, how will we work, w- will I work from home, um, in the office, or a little bit of both, has really brought us this opportunity to redefine that process. Uh, personas are too often, we're ca- just considering a virtual, team member, a uh, in-person team member, and then a hybrid team member. But one thing that we have been bringing to this discovery process is it's not just about where you are, it's also about the type of work that you are conducting. Um, and the pre- you know preferences on how if I'm working on individualized work, maybe I need focused, mm-hmm space, individualized space, but that doesn't necessarily mean I have to work from home. We need to provide those spaces in the office as well. Collaborative work needs yet a different kind of setting at the office, um, access to team members, to leadership, to the overall company culture and uh, mission and values. You know, we all need to have that reinforced Mm -hmm. why we work, where we do and and who we work for um, is important. And coming into the office and having all of those things reinforced for you and having the right setting for the type of work you need to conduct is really part of this, what we call, our predictive programming tool. So by identifying the different user types, which differ um, per organization, mm-hmm. um, as do the number of different persona types may vary as well, we're then able to assign square footage needs, not just overall total square footage per person, but even the different square footage of types of spaces, the different zones and ratios that we need for each of those persona types that we can then factor into an overall programming tool that helps us study different scenarios and learn what the impacts are mm-hmm. to the overall real estate needs for the organization. Yeah.
1: And I imagine for, for the people using the space as well, um, you mentioned a moment ago that you prefer the face-to-face workshops because you're able to hear the quietest voice and in the mm-hmm. workplace, you have people that enjoy a more bubbly environment. And then you have people that are a bit more reserved, a bit more introvert. They perhaps like quieter spaces um, so I imagine that gives you an opportunity to to hear from everybody and design a space that's really um, suitable for for lots of different personalities. And in that in the article that you did uh, recently, you, you talked about uh, neurodiversity. Um, and we um, we actually had a, a, a episode on the podcast recently with David O'Coyman. Um, he he developed Wellness Pods to enable people, um, and especially those who are ne- neurodivergent um, or highly sensitive to certain environments. Uh, to work more comfortably and productively. Um, So can you tell us how neurodiversity fits into your work at Perkins and Will?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think overall, this last two years has really given us an opportunity to rethink the workplace in ways Mm. that allow us to create a better work environment with new considerations. that maybe should have been done a long time ago. But uh, agile working and variety within the workplace, um, again, has been something we've always been interested in. But we're seeing now with the change in how many people are in the office and, and what kind of work is being conducted in the office, it's all the more important to create a variety and choice about work settings, um, this allows us to really think about diversity um, and, and creating opportunities for a variety of different user types. Mm-hmm. So having those spaces where you can close a door, get some uh, focus work done in, in a quiet space, and not have a lot of hustle and bustle around your open office environment, mm-hmm. but really creating these zones, that respond to different types of work needs, um, is really important. Access to natural light, to, um, quiet, to a place that you can have solidarity, mm-hmm. uh, with team members or alone. And, uh, of course, collaboration and, um, even social settings, mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities there to meet a lot of different needs for different
1: individuals. And given the situation we're in right now, I should imagine in your line of work you have to be extremely adaptable. One minute everyone's back in the office and then the next minute everyone's working from home again and then and then there's this sort of middle, middle area of hybrid work. Mm -hmm. Um, So does that mean you when you're working with clients, does that mean that you have to plan and design for sort of multiple futures?
0: Absolutely. Um, even as I spoke about the predictive programming tool, that is one aspect of the tool is looking at these different zones of spaces, how much you need of each of those zones, um, and then how that space can be adapted and changed over time to you know, respond to the unknown. Um, again, we're constantly in the going into the office, coming back home, going to the office, coming back home, uh, that that ratio keeps changing and seems like it's going to continue to change.
1: So with all these this constant change that's going on um, and return to work plans and then everyone's back home again, and um, how do you deal with this unpredictable nature? Uh, that must be quite a challenge for you.
0: <laughs> it can be, <laughs> yes. I'm sure it's a challenge for the companies we work with as well. Um, but I think as we really look at these tools we're providing, it puts us a step ahead um, in anticipating uh, change and adaption and mm-hmm. um, overall, you know lots of products have have come on the market that allow us uh, some of that flexibility and changeability um, of the work environment. Um, but I think the the, some of the challenges that we have seen in the built environment is, um, you know, how to have those power solutions, technology solutions, um, air distribution that allows us to be flexible with the spaces we provide. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've been working on some tools. We've been working with even some manufacturers on some solutions um, that allows that for that flexibility um, and adjustability of the the space.
1: Mm -hmm. and I imagine some measures that came in um, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, things like the the social distancing, um, and uh, the screens, and so on, I should imagine some of these things will become part of the the longer term, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of design. Um, Do you see there being big changes in that area? Or do you think we're going to be sort of staying with some of these um, wellness changes for the foreseeable future?
0: I would love to, to see us kind of stay consistent and, and really learn from this this last few years, the change we went through. Um, I'm excited to see uh, a little more space, uh, a little more diversity of space types in the work environment. Um, I'd love to see those seas of uh, workstations and, and benching stations, um, you know, a little variety, a, a little mixing it up. So um, as we see some seat sharing, um, you know, coming in and using a different type of space, not an office or a workstation every day. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really happy to see just some beautiful office environments that aren't just rows and rows and rows of desks.
1: Yes, definitely. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) And um, in your own company at at Perkins and Will, um, how are you adapting your own workplaces to enable your your colleagues um, and and employees there to keep working and to keep working in a way that's comfortable for them?
0: We've really allowed some flexibility um, and changed our approach as far as um, allowing individuals to come into the office to conduct those tasks where they need um, to have an in-person meeting. They need to use the materials library. That's very important in our line of work Um, as, or technology or what have you. But if you have, you know, several calls um, that is best suited from a remote location, such as your Mm -hmm. home, uh, we, we think that's great. Find the right setting for the task, whether that's, Mm Uh, a variety of settings within the office Mm -hmm. uh, at home or even in a third place
1: yeah absolutely and one um, I was reading an article earlier and one and something that you mentioned was um, that if we can put a positive spin on the experiences of the past couple of year uh, past couple of years sorry it's that we have a real opportunity to create a better normal and I think that's just such a great way of looking at it Because like you say, one thing we've all benefited from is this extra flexibility and it's really put the spotlight on, you know, we're human beings and we crave the social um, interaction with each other and the spaces that enable that. But we also sometimes need a quiet place to just retreat to and go and get work done, you know, meet a deadline or something like that. Um, so I think this ability for people to move around more and go to places that suit their their needs and their personality, the fact that we've now been um, pushed down that road is it, only a good thing.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely. I, I do love um, that quote. A, a new and better normal is what we all needed. It was mm-hmm. it was time. It was a, a painful way to go about it. But yeah, um, we're here now. So, you know, really in looking back. At the different stages we've all gone through, um, either end of the spectrum is not ideal. Um, kind of being uh, forced to work at a, or conditioned, I should say, not forced, conditioned to work at your desk all day, you know, regardless of the type of task you have to perform, is not ideal. Mm-hmm. Working from home all day, every day, not really ideal either. Um, getting the best of both of these worlds. And being able to curate your week, tailor it to uh, what you have going on on your schedule and being trusted um, with your managing your own work and your time to do just that is really Mm -hmm. where we're going to find happy, content employees who love their jobs.
1: Absolutely. And we're nearing the end of our episode today. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on what's coming next in the world of design. And given where we are right now and and how you see things evolving over the next few months and the next couple of years, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you have any any takeaways for us?
0: Sure. I I mean, I think we are at a point where if we do this right, uh, we prove it successful. We have the right technology, the right tools, the right attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, We really will have better work environments moving forward, better organizations moving forward. Um, What I think is really important is Um, Not to try to force uh, old ways in this new work environment, but really to allow adaptation, allow um, change and adjustment to happen naturally Um, and be ready to make mistakes and be ready to um, make further adjustments. We we're going at this the best we can and we'll learn along the way uh, Mm -hmm. we need to respond to those learning opportunities um and and be ready to you know pilot an -hmm. opportunity here uh pilot a new work model uh and check in with people see is it going well what would you change And, and allow change if i have team members who've decided they're coming in to work into the office two or three days a week and later we decide either for their own preference or production um, levels are are not what it should be. You know, be ready to uh, make those adjustments and allow team members, you know, to know that this is a process, an evolving process. And so we're not committing to anything. That's the great mm-hmm. thing about this flexibility and adaptability is um, we can allow it to, organically develop in into the right direction.
1: Yeah, that's that's what what I took out of this is it's all about the flexibility and the adaptability and about the people. It's a very human centered approach, as, as we talked about in the beginning. So thank you, Kelly, for taking the time to come and chat with us today. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and before we go, could you please tell us how our listeners can connect with you and find out more about Perkins and Will?
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Perkins and Will is a a large international firm um, with a lot of different uh, practice sectors, um, mine being workplace strategy and corporate interiors. Um, So uh, Perkins and Will, Perkinswill.com, as Mm -hmm. well as um, on Instagram, Perkins and Will, you can find us there.
1: Love to connect. Fantastic. And just before we go, just to say that the article we mentioned earlier about work personas, that's on the allwork.space website and we'll also include it in the resources section of this episode. Um, and once again, thanks so much to Office RD for sponsoring this, um, this episode and making them possible. And that's it. So thank you, Kelly. Have a wonderful rest of the day and we hope you'll join us again soon. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you so much. Thank you. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?